Welcome. I've never, I've never heard episode forty-five. Ocho in the Sim podcast. You never heard this? No, and I, I know the singer too. He's in a, he's a pretty famous Italian singer from. So apparently, the story behind this is it can't. Yeah, the sixties. So the story behind it is he wanted to come up with a song. So basically, you know how, you know, it's 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 taboo these days but you know going uh trying to imitate how another language might sound without actually knowing the words yeah so this was his attempt to put out an english song without actually saying english like speaking english <laughs> so the only word that's actually english is when he goes all right yeah heard that at the beginning so yeah so for for those wondering, so uh, the singer here is Adriano Celentano, um, and a, a pretty famous Italian singer, like I said, from the '60s and '70s. Um, I'm pretty, like like I said, pretty pretty famous. And that uh, the one, Raffaella, what is it? How do you pronounce that, Chara? Raffaella Cara. Yeah, that's his actual. That's his wife. Mm, interesting. Didn't know that. Mm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome again uh, to episode of 45. That's right. You know, let's just get this out of the way. That's uh, the, that one uh, didn't sound that good. I actually I took my top off already, but let, let me redo it. Oh, oh yeah, you did. There we go. You know, it's, it, top it, off. It's yeah. just because it's because it's full, so it's just got that high pitched like little. Ah, uh, hasn't little... hasn't hasn't got any basic. So I when uh, I picked up a. You know, I finished up the bullet last week, so I picked up some some Jeffersons for uh, nice. For, I guess this month, I guess maybe? Jefferson's Reserve. Yes, sir. Nice. That's a good one. Still sticking to the Michters myself. I literally just poured the rest of it out. I haven't had this in a couple of weeks. I forgot what it tastes like. Heaven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Yes, salute. Salute, my friend. End of the weekend. That's right. What kind of disaster this week brings? Well, I mean, if we're keeping up with the trend between 2020 and 2021, I'm sure some apocalypse is gonna gonna initiate this week. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty plenty to talk about this week, but yeah, starting up. I mean, we've we've talked. Have you uh, have you received a, a dose yet? Of, any, of the of vaccine? Any, of any vaccine? Yeah. No, not yet. Not no, yet. Um, no, here in Connecticut. Uh, they're finally opening it up all 16 and over starting April 1st, actually. This isn't something that I was planning on talking about until earlier today. And it just kind of, it hit me and it had like a ton of bricks because we, we've talked about this time and time again. And it's just basically people that are getting their facts from social media, you know, Facebook <laughs> university is one that we like to, we like to joke F about. F you. F you. Yeah. F you. So one of the things I, I was talking to my mother today, she got her first dose and then she, she went on, she was talking, she was like, how she wanted the Johnson and Johnson's only, only because she wanted it to be one and done. You know what I mean? Yep. I, I get the logic behind it from her perspective, but then, you know, she went on and she was talking about other people that she knows and 
something that, you know, it, it's funny because I never really heard it come up in conversation before you brought it up and you talked about it several times. And this is the first time I've heard of anybody bring it up outside of this conversation. Well, I, I take that back. There was one time I mentioned there was somebody that I had worked with, but it was just the, just this, this whole idea of, you know, somebody that they're not, they're not trying to get pregnant right now, but down the road, they might want to try to get pregnant. So they're not taking the vaccines for, for that specific reason, because they don't yeah. want it to cause any problems going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we continue to hear that. Um, I was just talking to somebody this past week and um, I asked him if he was going to get the vaccine. He said, he said, no, I'm going to wait on it. And I said, well, why? What are you waiting on? And he said, well, you know, we're trying to have a second kid and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't know what kind of effects it's going to have. And I didn't have time to really go into my, you know, typical PhD dissertation on, on the merits of that particular argument. But, um, but it's just, it's fascinating to me to keep hearing this. And I just had a, um, a, a guy that I'd known years that, that came to my house on Saturday to uh, take a look at a, at a small electrical job, just like just run some elect electrical wires from my shed to across my yard to the play area where my kids are. Cause we, we want to have a, an, an outdoor outlet there, if you will, just for to have power in that area. And um, we were talking about it and he got both his vaccines. He actually came to my house. He texted me in advance. He's like, you know, listen, um, I, I'm just going to warn you. I, if, if we're, if you're going to be close to me, even if we're outdoors, please wear a mask. He's like, I'm just trying to be safe. Everything. I said, no problem. Not a big deal. Um, sure. Absolutely. So he came over, I had my mask on, he had his on, and we kind of talked at length about, about it. And, and, um, he's like, you know, I'm trying to convince, uh, you know, friends that, you know, we're, we're all about the same and all about the same age group. And, um, and I, I know a lot of the guys that he's talking about. They say, you know, I'm trying to convince them. They're like, no, he's like, you know, I don't, I don't need this, blah, 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 all this other stuff. And I said, well, you know, that's how it is. Most guys our age, they, they think that, that they're invincible, that, that nothing is going to happen to them with this. And he said, and he, he brought up a good point that I, I never really, I, I, not that I didn't think about it. I just didn't actually express it and kind of say like, you know, your logic is kind of flawed because, and this is what he said. He said, you know, this, this is what I don't understand about these guys is that they're worried about taking a vaccine that has gone through all these clinical trials and has pretty good safety, despite what you hear on the news, all this other stuff. He said, but these are the same guys that drink excessively. They smoke excessively. They snort cocaine. They smoke weed all the time. He's like, so, so they're, they're putting all sorts of like garbage into their body, yet they're worried about a vaccine. He's like, it just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. I was like, hey, you, you said it better than I, than I could, and, and I work in this damn field, so... You know, just it, like the, the logic that some people have where they're like, oh, I, you know, I worry about fertility and all this other stuff. Well, if that's the case, then why are you consuming, you know, packaged foods that contain an ungodly amount of preservatives that have shown to cause issues with fertility and ish, uh, and you're using like, you know, you know, hygiene products that contain parabens and other things that that, that really disrupt your, your endocrine system that have been shown to cause issues with fertility, even issues in fetal development, issues in, develop, in development in children altogether. So you're not worried about that, but you're worried about some vaccine where some, some you know, fringe person came up with this idea, this conspiracy theory that it causes uh, fertility issues. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. 
Yeah. And, and I've seen that a lot lately too. And it's almost like there's this fear of the solution over the problem, which is, mm-hmm. it, it baffles my, my mind. I mean, you say that there's been, you know, clinical trials, but some people would argue that there hasn't been, you know, it hasn't gone on long enough. And then I, I'd like to raise the argument. I'm like, well, you know, you, you inject vaccinations into your newborn, like what the day after they're, they come out. I mean, a day or two after. Yeah. Some, some vaccines. Yeah. Right. So some of those vaccines, but the argument is like, well, you know, they've been, you know, time and time again, I mean, they've been around for, for generations by now, but the, the thing is, is that, you know, you're bringing this person into the world and two days later, you're injecting them with something that you don't know what this, what allergies this person has, because they've only been around for a day. They haven't been able to exhibit any symptoms of allergies or, you know, things that they, they might not be you know, able to, to, to be around, but, you know, I mean, to go on to that is just, you know, I, I recently started watching, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Netflix has a series called drive to survive. It basically follows, it's like a behind the scenes of like F1, um, which is large, largely in Europe. I mean, there's a couple of races that take place over here in North America and South America. And I believe you may have gone to an event in Montreal years ago. I did. It was actually, I, I'm not, I'm not into racing. I just don't, I don't really find the, you know, I don't find any real appeal in it because it's like, cars just whip around the course and that's it yeah i mean a ridiculous amount of speed but the fact that you're not typically a fan that that's just further evidence to what i'm about to say so what i'm starting to see as they go through the different episodes and this is all takes place during the 2020 season which obviously um lockdowns and, and such with covid protocols one thing that i'm starting to notice is that you know i feel like the europe in general had gotten off you know started to loosen restrictions fairly early on in this whole thing is we're starting to see it come apart now. Like, you know, we've mentioned several times, like a lot of these like Madison square garden, the New York Rangers, they're, they're allowing uh, 20,000 or excuse me, 2000 fans um, into the arena. Um, same thing is with like the Knicks and there's several other stadiums and, and you saw it throughout the, the, the NFL season. Um, some stadiums were having people in there, but granted, you know, it's a 20% capacity, but these are venues that host hundreds of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And there was quite a bit of them that had people there. And aside from just the races themselves, um, you know, promotional events, um, there was just people with masks on, but there were large, large gatherings, much larger. I mean, we didn't even want to have restaurants open here, right? I mean, <laughs> minimal capacity in a restaurant. These are, these are big events where there's, there's hundreds of people, if not thousands of people um, doing the right thing you'd like to say and wearing a mask to try to be, you know, proactive in preventing the spread of anything, but it's just, it's amazing how, you know, we here as Americans, we want to paint ourselves as like this, this pillar of freedom and, 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 you know, unlimited, almost, you know, freedoms, but then you look over there across the pond and it's like, okay, you know, people are kind of cautious, but almost a, a semblance of, of life as they knew it. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, I don't know what to make of it. To be quite honest, I don't know if it's the if they did the right thing um, by by opening all that up. I mean, you know, the whole thing about wearing a mask that that's that's a, a you know another layer of complexity with all this. I, the way the way I think about it is, I mean, think about it as a soldier going into battle. I mean.
mean, having a Kevlar vest on is to help protect you from taking, you know, to taking a bullet that's going to cause a, you know, a fatality. And obviously it doesn't mean you're invincible. It doesn't mean that you go out there and you can take as many bullets to the chest as you desire. Um, it's to, it's to prevent that one or two bullets from actually causing severe, severe, you know, severe injury, if you will. But if you keep putting yourself in the line of fire, eventually, you know, that, that, that vest isn't going to do anything for you. Um, same thing with the mask. I mean, you could wear a mask, everybody in a crowd and, you know, a large crowd of people can wear a mask. And COVID can still spread amongst everybody. Now, will it spread to the same degree as if everybody didn't have a mask on? Probably not. But you're still putting yourself in, in the way of live fire. So, I mean, I can't really say that, that them opening everything up early enough like that was a, was a good idea. Um, but I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say. But then again, I mean, you look at our numbers. Our numbers were, were really high. And you can't really say that, you know, our, our mask mandates and precautions that we took were universal throughout the entire United States. Every state had their own rules and what they did. Um, I mean, look at Florida and Texas. They, they just kind of said, you know what, fuck you to everything. And, and they just went about their business with or without masks. Um, and their numbers kind of, you know, went through the roof in, in, in certain time periods. So, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to say if, if they actually did the right thing or not. So I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. You brought up Florida. Florida is hosting UFC 261 next month. Are, are the full fighters going to have to wear a mask? No, full house, man. They're selling out. <laughs> they sold out. Actually, they sold out in like four minutes. I think it was the entire venue. There's, it's not 20% capacity. It's hundred percent capacity. Wow. Yeah, on the back of the ticket, I guess there's a legal disclaimer that says, you know, basically everything from you you could potentially uh, acquire a disease which might cause respiratory issues uh, up to and including death. I mean, it's a pretty lengthy disclaimer that's on the back. Well, I mean, if if you're willing to, yeah, I mean, if you're willing to throw yourself into the fire, then there's no reason to, no reason to have to think that you're going to sue the venue for your own stupidity and putting yourself in harm's way. But if, if you were fully vaccinated, I'm, not, I'm almost positive a majority of the people going to this event are not going to be vaccinated, but maybe they have had COVID already. Um, so they kind of feel like, get it. so they feel like they might have gotten it, you know, gotten that out of the way. And it's not something that they should be concerned with anymore. Um, obviously, we'll, we'll learn more about that in the years to come. But if you were a vaccinated individual, would you, would you be and you were, and, and you were a fan of, of the sport, would you be tempted to, to go to something like that? Me personally? In a vaccinated setting? That's really the argument there, the, the, the question that I'm asking. Um, not this but, early on. I would probably wait. I would probably wait at least six months before immersing myself in something like that kind of tipping your toe into into the water a little bit i mean i wouldn't mind you know going out to vineyards going out to a restaurant every now and then hanging out with friends more um not to something extremely crowded like that i, I wouldn't i probably wouldn't be taking the chance even even being vaccinated because the question and let me just be clear i i, I agree with you i would be in the same setting i'm only asking these questions hypothetical um mm-hmm. just because 
I mean, people would argue, what's the sense in getting a vaccine if, if we can't return to life as normal? Or yeah, you I mean, yourself, the, why would you why would you take something, introduce something foreign into your body if you if it's supposed to, you know, be like, you know, you just use the analogy of a, of a Kevlar vest and, and going into war. Why? Why, why would you take the vaccine? Yeah. Why bother if it's not going to help you get back to normal? Well, it, it, it will eventually help us get back to normal, but it's not it's not like you you flick a switch on a for a light and it's you know, it's it's on or off that that's not how it works that's not how these things work so the whole for the point, individual no not really i mean the whole point of the vaccine is is like i've said on, mul- on multiple episodes in the past is it's to prime your immune system to to understand how to attack the pathogen very specifically to minimize the amount of collateral damage that occurs to the rest of your body from the inflammatory response uh, when the when the pathogen is presented to the immune system, that's the whole point of it. It's it doesn't make you bulletproof. It doesn't mean that you know that that the virus looks at you and says, "Oh, you got your vaccine. You have antibodies. Let me move on to the next person." No, that that's not what that's not what that means. I'll, I'll give you an example of influenza. Okay, so or influenza and influenza vaccine. Okay. There was a study that was done. I, 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 I always forget what year it was or what flu season it was. I want to say the 2017, 2018 flu season, they did a study on the effects that that vaccination had on individuals in terms of uh, preventing um, serious illness from influenza and preventing death and from serious, uh, serious, um, Serious effects of influenza uh, infection included hospitalization, so hospitalization and death. What they found in that study is that if you compared those who got vaccinated versus those who didn't get vaccinated, the vaccinated group saw lower rates of hospitalization due to influenza and lower rates of death due to influenza. But it doesn't mean that their numbers were absolutely zero. That's not what that means. Okay, you could have had some individuals who got the vaccine that actually died. Okay, but the chance of you getting hospitalized from influenza or getting or dying from influenza after getting vaccinated is significantly lower than if you didn't get vaccinated at all. Okay, so what that means is that you're still potentially prone to infection, but the the difference being is that you have a more specific immune response to it where like i said you don't get that cytokine storm or you, the the chance of you getting that cytokine storm is not as high as it, as it would be if you didn't get vaccinated and the cytokine storm is really the thing that that really that that messes people up okay and you get this massive inflammation that occurs throughout the body uh, that that really is the thing that that eventually kills you from severe infection, not the actual infection itself. That, that's what a lot of people think. A lot of people think it's the pathogen that's actually killing you, but it's more so your immune system um, just going through the shock and awe campaign everywhere in your body and just destroying all your tissues, all your cells, everything, along with trying to kill the pathogen. Okay. The, the point of the vaccine is to, is to train your immune system in advance so it knows what to expect when it goes into battle. But even when it goes into the battle, it doesn't mean that, there's gonna, that there aren't going to be any casualties. 
there certainly are, but much less than it, than if you weren't, if your immune system wasn't trained at all. So, you know, this idea that, that, you know, what's the point of the vaccine? The point of the vaccine is to minimize severe illness and to minimize the risk of death in patients who actually contract COVID. What they also found in, in some of those studies with, with influenza is that if you get vaccinated and you and you actually you're exposed to somebody who has active influenza uh, infection, the chance of you contracting it, actually carrying it in your nasal passages, is much lower. And then from there, because you have a lower inoculum that you're carrying, the the less likely you are to spread it to other people. So again, it's really to try to tampen this down as much as possible. But that's only going to happen over time as everybody gets vaccinated, as everybody develops an immunity to this particular pathogen. But I mean, we can't expect that we're going to be bulletproof immediately after getting vaccinated. That's not how it works. And we need to achieve good herd immunity where everybody has good immunity to this particular thing for it to not go away completely, but for it to really be minimized altogether. So that's really what it all comes down to. Right. Um, and it's just like know. we talked to about talked about last week. And even I think we mentioned the week before, just we've become so we've gotten to the point where we're, we're so close to the end of end of this, you know, we're, we're looking at the finish line. And granted, I don't, I don't think we're going to be actually using the term end of this, because I don't really think that we're going to see the end of this, if ever. Um, but, you know, it, it's interesting, you mentioned um, the cytokine storm before, right? And uh, one thing that we talked about is just the complications that that you get from it. And even now you're just mentioning how that's really what's most fatal in, in most instances. Um, so there was two things that we, we were talking about touching on, and this is as far as the AstraZeneca vaccine. And one of the, the uh, one of the, the questions that's remaining is, is over unusual clots. Um, and you, you gave an article about it. AZ vaccine is safe overall, but questions remain over unusual clots. And this is from Medscape. So there was, there was one uh, individual who you were most uh, interested in um, what they had to say. And uh, I, I, that word, that, that their summary had too many 25 syllable words in it. So my caveman brain said, check, please. I know somebody who understands this. <laughs> So now, which which uh, which phrase are you talking about? Are you talking about disseminated intravascular coagulation, sure. or uh, cerebral cerebral vascular or cerebral sinus? So uh, you, you've been pretty you've been pretty good at post, when you post these articles. You've been throwing up these uh, the the links that you and I both yeah. reference on here. So um, somebody that might be interested might be able to find it, it, these this uh this comment from Dr. Claudio Blasi, Blasi. Yep. was, was that in the, where, where it's like, it's a blue box. It says read comments. Is that where, uh, yeah. is that where I'm finding it? Yep. Okay. So that's, that's definitely the one that I was talking about. Yeah. Although natural endovirus, uh, see, adenovirus infect. Yeah. See, he lost me with a third <laughs> word in, in his, in his retort. So so yeah, so let me let me read this for the for the audience. So it so he's taking this. So he's quoting an article um, that was published uh, back in 2019, 
Um, and basically this, this particular article is highlighting what the immune response can, can be to adenovirus-based vectors. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is that the AstraZeneca vaccine, and again, I'm no vaccine expert by any stretch of the imagination, but the AstraZeneca vaccine actually uses an adenovirus vector to deliver the mRNA of, of COVID. Um, so it's, it's just, it, it's odd the way they do these things. I can't explain it that well, to be quite honest, because it's, it's beyond my, my expertise. So this is really like, like very in-depth virology and immunology in terms of how they design these particular things. But let me read this, this particular quote from this paper that he's quoting. So um, here it goes. Although natural adenovirus infections in humans rarely cause severe pathology, intravenous injection of high doses of adenovirus-based vectors triggers rapid activation of the innate immune system leading to cytokine storm syndrome, disseminated intravascular coagulation, thrombocytopenia, and hepatotoxicity, which individually or in combination may cause morbidity and mortality. So basically what this particular article is saying is that um, adenoviruses, which are, they're relatively common human viruses. They, they can cause the common cold. They can cause um, all sorts of other upper respiratory tract type of infections. Um, they may even cause certain types of like, uh, like um, uh, gastrointestinal infections as well. But they're pretty mild. They, they don't cause death or anything. They're not, they're not severe. They don't cause severe illness. Let's put it that way, generally speaking. But what, what this article is suggesting is that there's, there's uh, I guess there's quite a bit of well-known history behind this, where if you take these viruses and you inject a very high number of them directly into the bloodstream, then it can, it could uh, set off, uh, it, it can activate your, your, uh, your pre-existing immunity, um, or your, it, it can, it can trigger your immune system, uh, that's already within your genetics, if you will, your, your pre-existing immune system, um, that can lead to things like cytokine storm, which is something that we've heard a lot about when it comes to COVID cytokine storm is, it can happen with any type of severe infection it can even happen with, without infections can happen just with some really bad inflammatory syndrome, could happen with severe burns, can happen with trauma, can happen with a lot of different things. Um, so a cytokine storm is basically massive inflammation that occurs within the body. I'm not going to get into the details because it's not really that important to really tease out the details of it, but it can cause cytokine storm syndrome. It can cause disseminated intravascular coagulation. Disseminated intravascular coagulation is almost like the end stages of, of severe infections that, that people encounter within hospitals. Now, severe infections is, are the main reason why disseminated intravascular coagulation occur, but it could also be due to trauma, could be due to severe burn. So you kind of see a pattern of where these things occur. Disseminated intravascular coagulation is a very interesting phenomenon where your, all your platelets kind of clump together and they cause blood clots throughout your body, especially in small vessels that that feed that that send blood to all your vital organs within your body including your liver your heart your lung your brains um your kidneys so on and so forth you, you, you kind of get the point but at the same time it's causing clotting but because all these platelets are clotting together they're not acting individually to try to prevent bleeding so people can actually 
clot and bleed at the same time. It's very, very strange. And it's basically just a complete dysregulation of, of, your, of your clotting cascade within your body. And a lot of it is really due to massive inflammation that occurs throughout the body. Uh, thrombocytopenia, that's kind of like a, that, that's a function of disseminated intravascular coagulation. It basically just means your platelet count has dropped from normal range to, to uh, a very low abnormal number, uh, which means that you're at risk for bleeding. And hepatotoxicity, which is basically just indicates that, that um, these particular viruses are toxic to your liver. They could kill your liver off. Um, so basically what they're saying is that when you, when you get adenovirus and you introduce it directly into the bloodstream in very high numbers, it can cause all these severe problems, which are similar to what people have seen with the AstraZeneca vaccine in Europe so far, which kind of raised a bunch of red flags uh, to date. So that, that's really what, where all of this is stemming from. So does that make sense? It does. In fact, it's something that we kind of talked about before the first vaccine was approved. And I think I might have asked you if these vaccines are tricking the body into thinking that they have the virus, then is it possible that there's going to be a response that's going to be similar to what the body would produce if it was an actual infection? And one of the things that I asked you about was the cytokine storm. And if, you know, after the vaccination, um, my, my question at the time was if you had received the vaccination, if your body was producing a response that was similar to what it would be giving off if it was an actual infection, um, if that was, if it was possible that that could be something that, that came of it. And I guess the question has been kind of answered now. Um, I think it's something that we didn't really see with, with Moderna or Pfizer. So I'm curious. I mean, we, we talked minimally, um, just, you know, because there was a whole thing about, uh, stem cells or something like that, fetal, fetal something. Yeah, this is, produced. yeah. Is, yeah, is no. possible because it's manufactured differently that we're seeing this um, more prevalently in an AstraZeneca rather than, you know, before we even go down that road, I mean, there was this other article that was basically, it was talking about um, data not being current or, or, or mm-hmm. there was something, something a little amiss when it came from, to the data that was released with the, the findings. Yeah. And that, and that, that ended up being something, something different in terms of, uh, so the, the national institutes of allergy and infectious diseases or the NIAID, uh, put out a statement stating that, that the, the data that AstraZeneca had given them for vaccine efficacy seemed to be a little old. So they wanted more current data. Um, and so AstraZeneca, I, I did see something pop up on, on Seeking Alpha this past week um, that AstraZeneca did end up submitting more recent information. And, and again, this is kind of a separate issue from, from the whole adenovirus vector coagulopathy thing that, that's been occurring in Europe. Um, this is more of an issue of, of actual numbers showing efficacy versus adverse reactions that, that occurred. So it's kind of, a, kind of its own separate thing. Um, and they, they, if I remember correctly, if I, um, the, the efficacy numbers were actually a little lower with the newer numbers than what AstraZeneca had, had originally submitted to the, uh, to the, to, uh, the NIAID for, for review. Um, but getting back to this whole, the whole thing that you're talking about. So we didn't see these types of reactions occur as much with Moderna or with the Pfizer vaccines. 
what you have to understand is that those vaccines were the were the COVID mRNA for the spike protein. <clears throat> and that mRNA was formulated in a vaccine um, that that allowed it to be delivered uh, intramuscularly via a vaccine where the mRNA could be taken up by our own native cells directly. Now, what the difference between those and the AstraZeneca vaccine is that the AstraZeneca vaccine is actually using another virus, okay, with the with the the with the COVID uh, genetics spliced into it to try to deliver those genes to your to your cells, so your cells can start producing these. We'll we'll say the spike protein on COVID, kind of like the Moderna or Pfizer vaccines do. Um, it, it's just it, the the adenovirus vector is asked is it's acting as like a delivery system, if you will, for the blueprint for the spike protein for the mRNA uh, spike protein for uh, for for COVID. So it, it's just a, a different delivery method. But the problem is, is that the delivery method is probably the thing that's causing all these problems, or at least that's what the theory is. Um, why, why all these, you know, all these red flags went up in Europe after these cases that occurred. So that's, that's the issue that that's, that that's being talked about right now. Yeah. There was one part of the article that I read that stood out to me that it, it made me kind of chuckle because when I came across it, I, I thought back, I was like, you know what, this is something that we're not even really talking about as far as people that are taking the vaccine, because we want everybody to take the vaccine. And the issue is people having these adverse reactions in the clotting. It could be due to several things, smoking, drinking, and they even put out uh, oral contraceptives. Mm -hmm. So now I don't know statistically, you know, the people that might have had these adverse reactions in this clotting. I don't know if it's been something that's more towards um, male or female. I did see that it was typically like, I think under 50 was actually most likely to receive these, <laughs> receive like it's a gift um, to, to get these adverse reactions. So, I mean, typically... I mean, people under 50, um, people over 50 aren't typically, you know, they're through menopause. They're pretty much done with that whole thing. I don't know if there's too many 55 year old cougars that are, that are popping any, uh, that are popping birth control pills. I don't know that. Yeah. But I mean, that's something that can be taken into consideration. And the funny thing is, is I, I say that I, I chuckled when I read this and it's because, you know, all the conversations that I've had with anybody that says that they don't want to take it. And you made a great point of it before and saying that people don't want to take the vaccine, but meanwhile, they're shoving preservatives into their body. You know, they're, they're smoking cigarettes, they're blowing cocaine, which I've seen a couple things on the history channel to, to know that if you're putting that in your nose, I mean, it, it contains a lot of substances, um, namely gasoline, um, uh, baby formula laxatives. I mean, these are things that people are, are, are putting in their nostrils, um, but they don't have a problem with that. But the thing is, is, you know, this vaccine is a bad thing, but they don't want to talk about, you know, their own health or lack thereof health choices. So I, I think you made a great point before. Um, yeah. but it, it's funny because in conversations that you've had with people, people that might've been nervous about taking the vaccine, have they even mentioned, well, you know, to, to own like their own, like personal vices, right? Just like, you know, oh, no, no, nobody has right. not one person that I've talked to. Has, right. I, uh, I want to take this vaccine, like but you know what? Quitting smoking is hard. And I think it might have a reaction because of that yeah. or, or because I like to have a couple of drinks on the weekend and, you know, or whatever, like there's no personal ownership because of other lifestyle choices. It's just that this vaccine, yeah. if it causes a problem, it has nothing to do with your own 
negligence, if you will, of taking care of your own body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's, it, it's pretty, it's pretty fascinating. And it's, it's funny. You, you, you mentioned I, I, what's funny is I talk about negligence, <laughs> being negligent to your body as I'm sipping on a, on a bourbon. That's, that's yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, no, it's 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 funny that that you know the the article mentioned the issue. So the the people had gotten um, the AstraZeneca vaccine. They were they were talking about the majority of them with the bad reactions that occurred in terms like the the disseminated intravascular coagulation or the the let me get the name correctly the cerebral venous sinus thrombosis. I actually had to look that up to see exactly what that meant. So basically, what that is is that. The, the large veins in your brain that drain blood away from your brain and down your jugular veins and return that blood to your heart to get pumped back to your lungs to get oxygenated again, goes back to the heart and then pumped out through the, through the aorta to the rest of the body. Those veins seem to whatever reason clot off. Uh, when it comes to when it came to this particular this particular vaccine, now it's interesting that as far as I know, there were 18 cases that occurred of either disseminated intravascular coagulation or cerebral venous sinus thrombosis uh, that occurred, and nine of them were fatal. the The majority of those people were 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 female. So now it's it's interesting, like in that article that 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 we read. Uh, it mentioned things like smoking and oral contraceptive use. Um, in women greater than the age of 35, um, if, they, if they take oral contraceptives or if they smoke both separately, they're at increased risk for blood clots anywhere in their body. Um, if they do both and they're both, both over the age of even larger risk of developing blood clots. So those are two separate risk factors that when combined together almost work synergistically to cause even, even higher rates of blood clots in women um, than, than if they didn't do any of those altogether. So, you know, you, you have to wonder. So in Europe, generally speaking, uh, people smoke more than, than, than we do here in the United States. So you have to wonder how many of those women were also on oral contraceptives and were smokers. I, I don't know. We don't have those numbers. Um, but it'd, it'd be interesting to see that. And then I, I read a little more into it and um, I read some of the comments and, they, and there were a couple, couple people who had analyzed some of the numbers and said that the, the rates of either disseminated intravascular coagulation or cerebral venous sinus thrombosis, uh, the rates in those patients who got the AstraZeneca vaccine were no, no different from what they saw in the general population at any other time. So it seems like there's really no difference in rates. Um, so it seems, like, um, it seems like there may not be anything there. It just seems like something that might've might have happened kind of spontaneously. Uh, but I mean, it, it's, it's interesting to see how this all unfolds. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's all I know right now. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be great to get to the time where we're going to be, I think we're going to refer to this time here as like, it's going to be like, so if you're talking to somebody about something that might've happened like last year or around this time last year, or shortly before, like we, we give stories and we we're talk about things that are like, and it's always has like that final sentence, right? That final statement. It's like, yeah, yeah. Before COVID, 
or like, hey, during COVID, this happened or whatever, right? It's almost like COVID has been given its own like timestamp. So do you think we're going to start referring to this as BC? This is going to be the new BC before COVID? Well, you know, lately my, both my sons have been really into dinosaurs. So I've been learning about the Triassic, the Jurassic and the Cretaceous period. I think this is going to be the 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 COVID, COVID period, COVID yeah, yeah. yeah. COVID period. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you know, we just keep reiterating the fact that like the end is so in sight, and that, I think that's why a lot of people kind of just start, you know, like I hate to say, it, like I also be that went to the casino and like their react, they they ended up keeping the mask on. I mean, they get shot some dirty look, looks if they didn't, but. The comment was made like I, I already got my vaccine i don't need to wear this anymore I'm like okay maybe it is a little bit optics for some people at this point but maybe it's not maybe it's just bad, you know see my whole thing like you know i i always like to use your argument and you've talked about it here on the podcast and that's that wearing the mod the the, the mask it might not help you from acquire or stop you from acquiring um covet but when you start to talk about viral load and, you know, it just kind of suppressing the amount that you take on mm-hmm. and that affecting the degree of sickness that you, you have to suffer through. I mean, I think that's worth masking up, you know, just in its own right. But a lot of people don't see it that way. They see it as this pass or fail kind of thing, right? You're either going to get it or you're not. And it's either going to affect you to, to, to high hell or it's, you know, it's something that's going to kind of roll off the back. Like we hope is going to happen when we're vaccinated. Right. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's just kind of a selfish way to kind of look at it. So like uh, case in point, I remember uh, I was playing around a golf with a buddy of mine. We had to run into the clubhouse for something. And he's like, ah, don't forget your mask or whatever. It's like, yeah. Uh, he's like, you know, I really don't think it does anything, but if it makes everybody around me feel safer, like I just, you know, it, it, it's, and I'm not saying that's the case, but I mean, if anything, yeah. if it stops you from, from getting these look i mean how many times i don't know if it's happened to you it's happened to me several times where i'm in a grocery store and i always see that one guy usually it's when i'm on my way out thankfully it's it's like this one guy that wants to walk in and he's just not wearing a mask and everybody's looking at this guy like he's waving out around an uzi and just like for what like why are you doing this why like are you doing it just because you want to get a rise like is it really is it going to hurt you that much to throw a mask on for for, for 20 minutes that you're in here you don't need to wear one when you leave you don't need to wear one when you go home i don't care what you do. yeah i mean and and this is this is the thing that that kind of drives me nuts about all this is that there there's there's been very little logic that that's been thrown around this entire time so i mean it's almost like you see both extremes you see like the the very anti-mask people that are doing it because of because of political reasons and all this other stuff and then you have the people that wear a fucking mask in their own house and all this other stuff which doesn't make any sense to me i i'm i'm in the middle and probably a little more conservative than than usual i mean i'm i'm probably more probably side more along with the with the people who want to wear a mask all the time i mean it, this is the way i function i don't wear a mask in my house uh if somebody comes to visit if they're asymptomatic i don't require them to wear a mask in my house i don't wear a mask around them if it's a stranger that i don't know and they come to the door they come in for something to do work in the house Sure, we'll we'll wear masks and all that other stuff. If I go out to the store, if I go out in public in in a closed in a building, I will wear a mask. Uh, 
Um, as soon as I leave, I take my mask off. I don't wear it, you know, to the car. Um, because it, it, it's it's all about it's all about how much virus you're exposed to. You're only exposed to virus if you're around other people, and especially those that are symptomatic. But if everybody's wearing a mask, your risk is very, very low. So I don't let it take over my life, but at the same time, I'm still taking precautions in, in places where I'm going to be putting myself in harm's way, kind of like the soldier in battle. If you know you're going into a hostile territory, you're going to wear your, 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 your Kevlar vest. You're going to try to go in, in an armored vehicle to try to transport you there because you know you are getting put in harm's way. But when you're back at base with, with the rest of your, your platoon or everybody else, you're not gonna put, you're not gonna keep your Kevlar vest on. It doesn't make any fucking sense unless some guy in, in, your, in your company decides to just go bananas and start shooting everybody. Then it's a different story. But at the same time, you know, in normal times when you're back at base, <laughs> you should be considered safe at that point. You're not in harm's way. If you go into Fallujah in the, in the middle of, of, of the, the goddamn firefight, yeah, you better have your goddamn vest on and your helmet on because you're in harm's way. It just, it's logic. So I just feel like people aren't using logic at all and they're just very emotional about this altogether. I feel like logic's begun to go out the window quite some time uh, there, ago. There is no logic anymore. There, there's very little logic whatsoever. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So for the second time in two weeks, we're talking about another mass shooting. Mm-hmm. This time in Boulder, uh, Colorado, gunmen killed 10, including a police officer at a King's Supers. So that's apparently the equivalent of like a stop and shop or a Publix or, or, or what have you, a big lie. Yeah. So initial Giant reports, supermarkets. Yeah, uh, I mean. Or a Wawa. <laughs> I think a Wawa was like kind of smaller, like almost like a 7-Eleven. Oh, is it? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I... It, it's sad to see something like this happen again and, and right off the rip, you know, before we have a chance to even mourn the pers- first person, bury them already, you know, it becomes politicized. Uh-huh. There's talk about new gun legislation when, I mean, arguments could be made that the laws that we have now are enforced. So if we're going to institute new laws, I mean, and the thing is, is, you know, there's always the conservative argument, right? That, that goes towards like, well, you know what, look at Chicago. Chicago has the strictest gun laws in the country and look how many killings there are there. Yeah. Because, you know, I think I'm in a position where I know quite often that, you know, criminals don't necessarily always follow rules and, just because, criminals. Exactly. And if you add more gun legislation, you, you know, there's people that do follow the rules and those are the people that are going to, you know, they're, they're going to have guns taken out of their hands. And I understand that people sometimes feel unsafe when there's guns around, but, you know, good people with guns is, is a much better asset to, to have against somebody that's just armed with a cell phone. that's going to call 911 when somebody's yeah. shooting up a grocery store. Mm-hmm. I mean, Agreed. you know, and, and I, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, there's a lot that came out of this, obviously, um, initial reports, you know, and including there was a reporter with the USA Today. Her name, did you see this story? Uh, enlighten me. So her name is Hamal Javiri. I could be wrong. Oh, yeah. I, I heard something about that. Go ahead. So she 
that's the thing. These people that work for these news outlets, um, are you able to see this? Uh-huh. So these people that work for this, these news outlets, you know, they, they, they jump on their Twitter because, you know, the news cycle is 24 seven and they want to be the ones that broke the news. And apparently um, she had some tweets about how these, these mass shootings, it's, it's, it's always an angry white person. And the initial reports were that it was a white person, you know, mm-hmm. and you saw the video, this guy, he's getting walked out. He's got blood dripping down his leg. He looks pretty white to me. Um, and then you start to hear who he was uh-huh. and it turns out it was, but yeah, he's, he's of Syrian descent. That's what it is. Syria. Yep. So his name was Ahmed Al something, Alisa, A-L-I-S-S-A. So I just don't remember what the, what the middle, I, I want to say middle name, but the, obviously it's not, it's not a middle name. It's the, the way the, the, the. The, the Arabic name is set up. Why can't I find the name on this Denver, Colorado website? <laughs> Probably because nobody wants you to know what his name is. But that's that's the point. I mean, how how crazy is it? So where I was going, and, and I hate that everything goes back to this, right? It's just, yeah. it's like this fire that's burning. It just keeps getting stoked. And we, you know, yeah. whenever it gets a little low, you know, we throw another log on the fire and it, it's for what, at what cost, you know, all, all we're doing, we're dividing ourselves. And we've talked about this just when it comes to red tie, blue tie, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, lately this, this race has been such, I mean, starting last May, right. It was Memorial day when the whole George Floyd thing started. Right. And then mm-hmm. it's just been this, this roller coaster ever since. And it's like, it's almost like when this whole thing happened a couple of weeks ago in Atlanta, right. When this, this Yahoo decided to shoot up uh, massage parlors and, and, you know, eight, uh, eight of the 10 victims, or was it six of the eight victims? I'm sorry. Uh, the, something, something like that. Yeah. It, it's very similar. Um, you know, those victims were of Asian descent Two people weren't, um, and like it was almost like the media wanted it to be a hate crime they wanted it to be completely oh still like this guy and, and i'm not i'm not trying to take the side of somebody who who shot 10 people i'm not trying to do that like but this guy is saying that he did it because of his crazy ass sex addiction or whatever i mean thing is like people that try to dissect it, you're wasting time. You can't try to rationalize with somebody that exhibits that behavior. It's, it, you're not going to be able to do it. Like it's, they don't think like you. Yes. Yeah. I mean, are you capable of going and, and just, you know, blasting off eight to 10 people, like uh, no recourse, no, no, never talk to these people, never, you know, don't know anything about these people, don't know their name. Like, no, no, but, no you didn't that- do that. You wouldn't do that. So you're not going to be able to, to, you're not going to be able to rationalize why they might've done it. You're not going to be able to, but the crazy thing is to me is that when this whole thing first happened, the first thing that they wanted to do was point fingers and say, well, he's doing it and he's racist. And now we have this big movement that's going on and about Asian hate crime. And it's it's everywhere, which I get it. It's been going on for some time because there's people that are assholes and there's people that are racist and those people are fucking assholes. It is what it is. Yeah, you know, agreed. we got, I mean, I, I want to say we, we got to do better, but like the people that are saying we got to do better, they're not the ones that put the problem that, you know, that are, that are racist, those races, you're not going to, once again, rationalize with those people because they're programmed a different way than you and I. 
Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. But agreed. then this whole thing happens in Colorado. Turns out the guy was Muslim, right? Yeah. I don't even like to use the term Muslim because Muslim is just a religion. Like he yeah. was, he was Middle Eastern. We'll, we'll yeah. say he's Middle Eastern. So he was Middle Eastern, shot a bunch of people in a grocery store who all happened to be white. Uh-huh. But nobody says anything like you can't go this way. Right. It's not like this guy. No, they're like, no, he's not talking. He's not talking. Well, the other guy did talk and he said that he wanted to kill these people because of his sex obsession. All right. He's talking, but we don't like what he said. So we're going to say it's something else. This guy is one race, killed everybody of another race. And we don't ask any questions. No, nope. like it's just eh, nope. No nope. gun control. No, exactly. Right away. Exactly. Gun control. It, it, it boggles my mind. It's it just insanity. Because we're we're like at nobody a point asks in that society. question. It just it's crazy. Because we're we're at a point in society where where people are longing for our government to come in and say guns are bad. Guns need to be taken away from everybody. Okay, because guns are bad. Period. No no questions asked. Guns are bad. Guns are the primary reason why people go out and kill other people. Um. And that when it's done, it's usually white people that do that and go out and kill and kill people in mass. Okay. Um, there's a specific agenda there. There, there's an agenda to try to to try to uh, uh, criminalize uh, white people in general. Okay. And to take guns away from from everybody. That that's what it's all coming down to. There there's no logic anymore behind any any of this rationale. Zero zero logic whatsoever. It's constantly oh the AR fifteen the AR fifteen the AR fifteen is a weapon of war and so on and so forth. I would remind people that here in the state of Connecticut, okay, where we have some of the strictest gun laws in the nation, I can't go out and buy an AR fifteen. Because it looks quote unquote scary. Okay. It looks scary. An AR 15 is a 223 caliber. And for people who don't understand calibers of rifles or any of that other stuff, a 223 means that it's 0.223 inches, meaning that it's just under a quarter of an inch in terms of the diameter of the bullet. Yeah, I can go out and I can buy an M1A, Springfield Armory M1A, which is a rifle that was used in the beginning parts of the of the Vietnam War until the M16 uh, took over afterwards, and it's still used now nowadays by 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 scout snipers, by special forces snipers because it's a very accurate weapon. And guess what? It's actually very very powerful. The caliber on that is a, is a 308, so .308 inches. So larger than a 223 caliber that you get from an AR-15. Much more powerful. Very, very accurate. It's used by snipers, okay? Just, just to kind of give you an idea. I could go out and I could buy one of those legally here in the state of Connecticut. Then I could get an AR-15. An M1A is still semi-automatic. It's still magazine-fed. It doesn't have a pistol grip like an AR-15 does. It has a stock that, that you actually have to have to fire off. Just as big as an AR-15, still magazine-fed, more powerful, but because it doesn't quote-unquote look scary, I can still buy it. 
This is the logic of our gun laws that are coming from our legislators. It makes no fucking sense whatsoever. These people use absolutely zero, zero brain power whatsoever when it comes to when it comes to legislating quote unquote gun laws. Why do they do that? Because it's all out of emotion. That's why. So our gun laws here in Connecticut have gotten more strict after after San, the Sandy Hook shooting that occurred back in, two, in December 2012. That was a terrible day. It was an absolutely one of the most god-awful days I've ever experienced in my whole life as a legal gun owner and not as a gun owner, as just a citizen. I had no kids at the time, but I could imagine what it's like for those parents that have to go through that, okay? To see 20-some-odd kids get executed, basically, in a, in a school literally 30 minutes away from where I live. It was awful. Okay, but it doesn't matter if you use an AR-15, a pistol, doesn't matter what firearm they used, it's still a tragedy. And yet people will just automatically say, no, this is a weapon of war. This needs to be taken out of, uh, out of American households. What difference does it make if you, have an AR, if you have an AR-15 or an M1A or a 45 caliber pistol or a nine millimeter pistol? It's all optics, the same. man. It's all about optics. Oh, that, that's exactly what it is. Exactly what it is. Because these politicians... Are, are pussies is basically what they are. And they will do whatever it takes to get votes. As Rahm Emanuel said, don't ever let a good tragedy go to waste. And that's exactly what our lawmakers did here in Connecticut after that, that tragedy that happened in December of 2012. That's exactly what they did. So, so, so what happened here in our gun stores? You saw all these other guns come in that 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 basically bypassed all the laws that that, that that they put in place. They say you can't have you can't own this gun. You can't have a 30, 30 round magazine. So I can own 10, 10 round magazines, but I can't own a thirty round magazine. Does that make any fucking sense to you? No, it makes no sense whatsoever. There, there's no logic whatsoever that, that that comes out of these gun laws. Zero. It's because when they make this argument that it takes time to change the magazine, they don't realize that it takes less than five seconds to change the magazine, right? They, they make it sound like it's like this, this surgery that they have to, to interesting. You say that. Out. I mean, you push the button the the spent cartridge falls out and you just push yeah. the new one in. That's yeah. it. Or you, you could tape them together. Just flip them and just, you know, take it out and, and just jam the other one in. I, I was talking to, to a, a, a mutual friend of ours who served in the military overseas, did, did a couple tours overseas. And, and I asked him, I said, so let me ask you a question. When, when you're in combat with your, with your M4 rifle, which is basically the, the military version of an AR-15, it's a, it's a newer version of an M16, how long does it take you to, to, to change out a magazine? He said, I could do it in, in about two seconds. In two seconds seems like it's really fast, but it's actually an eternity when, you, when you're in battle. He said, I could change it out very quickly and, 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 and rack another round as, as quickly as you could possibly imagine. So to say, oh, you know, you, it, it, you know while, while they're changing out magazines, it's not like they're changing out. It's not like they're loading black powder into the <laughs> rifle like, like we did 250 years ago. Right, right. That's, that's not how it works. You could change out a magazine very, very quickly in a pistol, in a rifle, anything. Hmm. It's just, it, there, there's no logic whatsoever. It's all about emotion. It's all about, it's all about ensuring that you don't let that good tragedy go to waste.
that's right. what it and, all comes down to. You know, and we're seeing with this, so there's another article that you shared with me. So apparently the U.S. Supreme Court on Wednesday is going to hear oral arguments in Coniglia versus Strom. It's a case that's going to have sweeping consequences for policing, due process, and mental health with the Biden administration and attorneys from general, uh, the attorney generals from nine states urging the high court to uphold warrantless gun confiscation. So what's interesting about this article, it goes on to, to, to give an example of husband and wife married for 22 years, I think it said something mm-hmm. similar to that. So apparently they were having an argument as couples do have a little squabble. Um, he took off, came back home. Next time they, they started arguing again, he went, took like a, I, I don't know why he did this, but he went and grabbed the, uh, grabbed an empty pistol and just like put it on the table. And it was like, listen, if you want, just take, just end it. Just, just shoot me or something like that. He said, yeah, whatever. put me out of my misery, put me out of my misery, which I mean, Listen, they're they're old people. They're having a, an argument. Is it the smartest thing to do? No, it's not. <laughs> but it happened. So nonetheless, she ends up taking off. And I guess what was it like? To, maybe she stayed at a friend's house or something. The next day, she called she stayed at a hotel or something. All right. So she, but she ended up calling and couldn't get a hold of them. So she ended up calling the police to go do a wellness check. The police went to do a wellness check, and. He was alive. He didn't kill himself. He was in the yep. back porch. He was just sitting out there and, you know, he went on the, to have a discussion with the police. They ended up lying to him. Um, they had him go into, regardless, even though he didn't say anything about harming himself or harming anyone else, the police still can't, they, they talked him into going and getting checked out at a hospital, just, you know, having his, his, his brain examined, you know, mm-hmm. um, made him the promise that, you know, they're not going to take his guns, whatever lied to him. He comes back, they took his guns. So they basically, they they confiscated him without due process, basically said that he was unfit to have them. Yeah. See, this is the problem. And and we've talked about this in a couple episodes. I mean, granted not to, not on this subject, as far as, you know, um, gun control, but we have talked about due process in, in other forms of, you know, basically removing people from political power, for example. Um, That's one example where, you know, people people are often tried in the court of public opinion before they even make it to a stand. And that's dangerous in itself. You know, I mean, the media likes to run wild. You know, they got to sell papers. I get it. But in fairness, I mean, there's a reason why a lot of these high profile cases like the George Floyd trial, why they're having so much trouble finding people to be jurors because They've already been skewed with the media. So it's dangerous. But nonetheless, um, so basically what it boils down to is this is just an instance where somebody was was uh you know confiscating of their confiscated of their weaponry without uh due process or or anything of of that. But this is just one example that you see coming forward after a week after everything happened in Colorado. Yeah, and it's this is it's all it's all knee jerk reaction to to something that that occurred that is, I mean I hate to say it but these are all isolated incidents they're not related. If there's one if there's one thing that really relates all these that nobody wants to address that especially our politicians do not want to address is the issue with with mental illness, okay, 
every single case of mass shootings that you've seen over the, at least over the past 25 years, we'll say since Columbine, there's been issues with mental illness that have occurred. Okay. But not one politician wants to address that. Not one. Why? Because it's convenient for them to go after something that one side of the political spectrum is absolutely against, which is firearms. Okay. That's, that's the issue that, that we're seeing here constantly. Every single case, you see these, pol these politicians, especially the Democrats coming out and saying, no, you know, just, we, we, we need to get rid of the guns and all this other stuff because, because you know, the, the, this is the, 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 one, the one thing that, that unites all these mass, these mass shootings. Okay. You could talk about mass shootings if you want in terms of mass casualty events. But let's talk about 2015, Boston Marathon bombing. Did they use firearms there? No. Well, they used pressure, they used pressure cookers. So then maybe we should ban pressure cookers along with nails, screws, nuts, bolts, whatever the hell else they put in the pressure cookers when they exploded to create shrapnel. Now, to be fair, there's only three people that were actually killed during those bombings. But over 200 were injured. Some of them seriously, some of them actually lost limbs and were permanently disabled for the rest of their lives, okay? You could talk about a terror incident that occurred a few years ago where a guy basically drove into a crowd of people and ran a bunch of people over and killed them, yet we'll ignore motor vehicles as being a potential, you know, uh, a potential uh, a, a weapon of warfare. How about September 11th where they used fucking commercial jetliners to kill over 3,000 people in a single day. Maybe we should ban commercial airlines. Maybe we should do all that. Yet nobody wants to talk about that. Why? Because that doesn't get votes. But playing on people's emotions about something that's easily tangible like firearms can help get them votes because one side of the political spectrum is all about that and the other one isn't. That's, that's what we're facing right here. And for, for anybody who says, oh, we should, just, we should just get rid of guns altogether, is not thinking logically why here in the United States we have the Second Amendment, why it's been in place for over 200 years, why our founding fathers put it in as the Second Amendment and not as the, 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 the 38th or something ridiculous like that. Because they realize that the citizenry needs to be armed to protect themselves from a tyrannical government, which we know has happened again and again and again throughout human history. All you have to do is look back in your history books and you can see totalitarian regimes that have decimated their own populations um, and their populations haven't been able to, to defend themselves. That happened in communist Russia, that happened in Nazi Germany, that happened in fascist Italy, that happened in imperial in imperial. Japan, that happened everywhere in the world where there has been a totalitarian regime. It's the happening have, now, Mike. It's happening now. It's, happen, it's happening in, in Myanmar. Myanmar right now. Exactly. Right. Just today alone, there were 91 people that were killed by security forces because of, because of, uh, of an uprising that, that has occurred there. So what does that tell you? It, it's happening in real time in our lifetimes, and yet people here in the United States don't understand 
that in order for you to be free, you need to be able to defend yourself from tyrannical governments. So to say, you know, let's get rid of AR-15s because, you know, they're weapons of war. Okay, I'll agree with you. They are weapons of war. But guess what? They're an equalizer for you as a citizen against a tyrannical government, which at any given point, just like that, our government can, can become that at any given point. They, they can tear up our, our, the, the Constitution and throw it completely out the window. But you know what's preventing them from doing that? The Second Amendment. Mm. That and the First Amendment. Yeah, a couple of things. You know, one thing that I thought was interesting about that is, you know, I think it was maybe 10, 15 years ago, there was a conversation that I was having with somebody and he was talking about, you know, changes that were happening throughout the world. And at the time, you know, it was just kind of, there was a lot of, like, I, I would just say at the time, I just describe it as like irritation, you know, some people like one party would have towards another, like different, different injustices that we might see or whatever. And I can't remember exactly what the topic was that we were talking about, but I remember vividly one thing that he had said was until this country takes to the streets, there's not going to be change like that. Mm -hmm. And we went on to say, you know, I don't see this country as being one that could do it. Fast forward 10, 15 years later, it's a country that is constantly taking it to the streets. I mean, we're seeing as far as civil rights movements and stuff, but we also saw it with, you know, this, this handful of people that, you know, we want to continually throw under the bus and, and, and call all sorts of names. But when we had the insurrection in the Capitol, there was people that were pretty pissed off and they stormed the fucking capital of the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, we are seeing it. So it's not to say that down the road, we're going to see something. I mean, the point that I'm making is that, you know, we look at these other countries like Myanmar, right? Who's, who's having this, this big uprising now where their citizens are being killed. They're I, not able I, to defend themselves. They're not able to defend themselves. And I hope to God that this never happens here. But who's to say that it can't? Exactly. I agree. And, and, and people can't, they can't lose sight of that. And unfortunately... We live in a time in this country where people are extremely, extremely comfortable, too comfortable, I would say. They haven't been through enough bullshit to really to really have them understand how bad the world can really be. I think the last time that actually happened to this country was probably in, during World War II. I think where, where shit got real. Right. Okay? But, you know, I, like this country, like they haven't faced what they faced back then. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the same token, there's a lot of tension between citizen and government. Yeah, agree. More than I've ever seen in my lifetime. Yep. You know, Absolutely. and that's the thing. Like we've talked on this. Like we're heading. If we if we keep the course that we're on, we're we're dialing this thing in for a civil war. Oh, without a doubt. Right. <laughs> without a doubt. We're. It, it, it's, I'm surprised that we're not there right now. To be honest. Restraint, some restraint. Oh, there's a lot of restraint. Yeah. Thank God. I, 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 quite frankly, I think there's a lot of restraint on the, on the, on behalf of the government. I, I, I think the government knows that, that we have a very, very well armed citizenry, very well armed, more so than any other country on the face of the earth. I think we have more guns in this country than we actually have citizens. Well, don't forget, I mean, Military has family that's not in the military. Yeah. 
in what people have to understand, you know, people are like, oh, well, we have the strongest military in the face of the earth. We do. But numbers wise, I mean, we're maybe what a million strong when it comes to our military. We have, you know, a hundred million citizens, give or take, that actually own firearms. So you have a hundred to one ratio there. And I would guarantee the majority of people actually serving in the military would probably side with the side of the citizens as opposed to the to the to the federal government. So, you know. You, you have to thank the Second Amendment for keeping, for curbing the, the government and, and keeping the government at bay and not overreaching more than they actually are. But they are, the government is pushing their limits. I'll tell you that much right now. Yeah, I mean, but, case in point, I mean, we're seeing in the insurrection, there's different militias that now they're saying we're in cahoots with one another to orchestrate. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a scary thing that when you when you see that, and uh, I don't know, I'm 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 baffled by all this, to, to be quite honest. And I and I I see where people get concerned, and and the easy knee knee jerk reaction is take the tool away from from the person committing committing this this heinous act, because that that's the easiest thing to do. But it's not the logical solution. The logical solution is why are these people doing these things? And if you look at all that, if you ask that question with all these cases, the common answer is mental health issues. Yet nobody wants to address that. Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought it up. Because it's more complex. Because I I really wanted to touch on that a little bit before we moved on, because, you know, it's it's almost like this we want to address mental health issues. almost like, you know, how do I say this? Like, okay, we want to, we want to acknowledge the fact that they're there, right? Until something happens where it would be a prime example to look and say, Hey, you know, told you we got some issues here, but instead it gets twisted. Like we'll, we'll bring up another reason for this to happen. Like for example, you know, Atlanta or Colorado, right? These are two individuals. They obviously weren't wrapped too tight, right? They're, they're going on the they're going on these shooting sprees okay prime example like you know we've just been in this lockdown who knows if it came from you know if that played a, a contributing factor into it just being locked down for a year right um we don't know a lot of the long-term effects that we're going to be seeing from that especially in children you know uh-huh. um so anyway we're, we're just coming out of, of lockdown you know we want to address mental health issues Things like this happen, and the first thing that we're doing is we're pointing to the tool that was used to cause the destruction. Yeah, you know, we don't get to the root of the problem. You know, I, I laughed at her at the time. Um, who was that? That mystical woman that was running for president. Mystical. Yeah, she was like she wrote books about being. She was like a, she was kind of like a hippie kind of chick. Marianne something, Marianne Williams. Is that her name? Oh, I think, yeah. Yep. Wasn't, isn't she running like as a Democrat or something like that? She was, she was running as a Democrat, but the funny thing. she have like, like a, like a high pitched voice or something like that? Was she like a yodeler? (laughs) Maybe she was, (laughs) (laughs) but the reason I'm bringing her up in this is because I remember watching one of the first debates and everybody's kind of going back and forth. It was just like, 
you know, we're talking about, well, this is the problem for this. And this is the problem for that. You know, when everybody's pointing the fingers. And then when it got to her, she was talking about, you know, because I think the topic was um, like a nationalized healthcare, right? And they were talking about, you know, single payer systems and, and all this other nonsense. But when it got to her, she's like, well, why aren't we paying attention to the reason why we need to have these place, the, these plans in place to begin with? We're, we're, we're serving our citizens food that's genetically modified. And, mm-hmm. you know, she ran down this laundry list and that was the first time that any of the candidates on stage actually got an applause. And, you know, the reason I mentioned this, is because, you know, it's like one of those root of the problem kind of scenarios where sometimes we just need to get down to brass tacks and figure out what is causing these issues. You know, what is causing people to get shot? Well, it's not the guns yeah. that are causing people to get shot. That's the tool, right? It's like, you know, if, if somebody's building a house and you take away their, their nail gun, well, they still got to build the house. So what are they going to do? They're going to get the hammer, right? So there's yeah. another tool to, to do the job. What is making these thoughts come about? Why are they thinking that this is the solution to whatever's going on inside their head? Why is exactly. it, you know, we're seeing these issues and these are the mass shooters. Okay. Thank God we don't see these as often as, as we see suicides, right? Because that's yeah. another byproduct of, of mental health. Yeah. You know, never mind just, you know, and, and that's, we only talk about suicides or when they're successful. Never mind the countless unsuccessful suicides every day. Never mind the countless people that are going to be there, that are being hospitalized every day that aren't receiving the treatment that they need that are sleeping underneath bridges because mm-hmm. we can't provide housing for these people. But, you know, we got to send money away for native American language studies. Yeah. Like where are our priorities here? You know, it's like when, when I remember when Trump was we coming into office, he mentioned it, he, he had brought it up and I was like, good. I'm glad to see that mental health is kind of getting some, getting some press when, when Trump was first coming into office, he was, he was addressing it and he was addressing that in the opioid crisis. Yeah. And and then both of those things fell off the table and nobody talked about it. And and that's another thing you talk about the, the opioid process. I mean, or the, the opioid crisis and all that other stuff, which obviously was a big problem before COVID hit, it still is. And it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's fallen by the wayside because COVID's taken over when it comes to, to health issues altogether. But it's still a major problem. But you have to ask yourself, how does an individual get to that point where they overdose on, on heroin laced with fentanyl? How does that happen? Okay. Like why somebody wakes getting, up. Why are they getting the heroin heroin laced with fentanyl? Exactly. Yeah. It's not like somebody just wakes up one day. He's like, you know what? I'm gonna fucking shoot up some heroin today. It just seems like a nice sunny day to do it, and just get fucked up and see how it feels. <laughs> that that's not how that works. Okay, that's not that's not what happens. The reason why people get hooked on drugs, whether it's cocaine, whether it's heroin, whether it's crystal meth, whether it's God knows what, it's because they are self-medicating for something that they can't explain, an illness that they have that they can't explain. It's not physical pain. It's not some physical ailment. It's something going on in their head that they need to, that, 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 that they basically need to turn off. They, they need to numb themselves to the idea that they're going through this mental anguish, whether it's depression, whether it's anxiety, whether it's PTSD, 
uh, whether it's, it's, it's bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, God knows what it is. What they're doing is that they are self-medicating themselves to help numb the issues that they're going through in their head. That's the common theme with all this. Same thing with alcoholism. Same thing with smoking. Same thing with, with, um, with gambling. Same thing with, um, with, with, uh, with sex addiction, sex addiction, or even pornography, addiction to pornography. Okay. These are all ways that these people are self-medicating themselves to try to increase their dopamine levels in their brain, the feel-good hormone, if you will, because there's something that is making them feel like shit, mentally speaking. That's the problem. Same thing with homelessness. Like people think homelessness is, oh, I, I can't afford housing. No, that's not what it is. Because if you're of sound mind and spirit, if you can't afford a housing, what you do is you get out of your, your current housing situation and you, you go for, for some sort of government assistance to try to get you into lower income housing. That's the logical way to go about it. Not to f- go fucking live under a bridge in a tent. Right. That makes absolutely that there's no logic there whatsoever. There's very little thinking that occurs with that. It's just, I'm just going to go do it because that's the right thing to do. No, that doesn't make any fucking sense. If you're somebody who is thinking correctly and you can't afford your housing, you go to more affordable housing. You don't just decide to, to roam the streets aimlessly. <laughs> there, there's a guy here in town who's homeless. That's, that's literally roaming the town aimlessly. You look at him. He hasn't showered literally in weeks. He's got a long beard. He's got long hair. He's, he's completely disheveled. He's roaming aimlessly up and down the street. That's not somebody of normal, of sound mind and spirit. That's not somebody who's saying, you know what? I need to get up in the morning and go to work. Um, I got I to gotta pay my bills or I got to go shopping because I'm low on milk. That's No, he's, his thought process is completely all over the place. That's the, 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 the classical case of severe mental illness that is preventing somebody from, 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 uh, from uh, performing normally, if you will, in society. That's what all of these things have to deal with. Drug addiction, homelessness, uh, people who, who commit the, these heinous murders, mass shootings, people who, who fucking mutilate animals. This is, these are all classic definitions of mental illness. And when it comes to mass shootings and the issues that people are seeing with, with gun deaths in this, in this country, when it comes to stuff like that, if you don't address the root cause, they're just going to use a different tool, whether you like it or not. They're going to use cars. They're going to use airlines. They're going to use pressure cookers. They're going to use all sorts of other shit to fucking kill people because the, the consistent problem is still there. The root cause of the problem is still there, which is mental health issues. Every single case of a mass shooting has been because of mental health issues. Hasn't been somebody like myself who, who has a full-time job, that has a family, that cares about his kids and all that other stuff. So, you know what? I'm going to wake up one day. I'm going to go fucking shoot up a school because it seems like a good idea. No, there's no logic to that whatsoever. Zero. And yet people want to blame the tool as opposed to the root cause of the problem. That's the issue that I have with it. I agree with you. I, I don't, you haven't said one thing that, that didn't make sense. I mean, yeah, 
kind of a side observation. It's kind of, it's not funny um, at all, but isn't it something Laughable, that like, maybe? no, it's not even that like, so if you go into a city, I mean, here I live, I live in uh, Meriden, Connecticut. There's larger, it's, I wouldn't call it a city, but it's more urban, I think in a lot of parts of it. Um, but there's who knows, man, they probably go off to, you know, a nice suburban area after they get done panhandling and, you know, that just pays their electric bill. But it seems like every highway has somebody, you know, panhandling for money. Um, and they get lost in the sauce, right? You don't really know who it's just like, ah, this is the one that's here today. But uh-huh. I remember growing up in the small town that I did, uh, Naugatuck, Connecticut, I remember there was a homeless man that lived there and everybody knew who he was because it was just the one, everybody knew who the one homeless guy was. And it's kind of, yep. when you're telling this story, it makes me think that he might be similar to, to what we had. <laughs> like everybody knows who this one homeless guy is that lives yeah. in your town because let's face it, there's not uh, that much that, that, that large of a homeless population there. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the homeless situation is getting, is getting worse. You go into any major city, I mean, like I, I used to go to Philadelphia all the time for work and, and there's like, literally seems like a homeless person every 10 feet. Yeah. But I think over the past year, it's just going to get worse because, you know, people have lost their jobs. People don't really have their, people don't really have the means to make it. And then, you know, there are some people that they might've had, you know, mental uh, illnesses that they were kind of able to keep in check through their insurance and taking medication. And mm-hmm. now that's gone. And now they're off their meds. Now they're, roaming the streets and yeah it's terrible it's terrible i i agree i mean i you know this is just something that that's not addressed on a regular basis and i think in in, in you know like regular fair, basis i don't think it's being addressed at all no it's not and the, the thing is that we've we've minimized mental illness and and you know psychology and psychiatry and all that other stuff to being like just something that and this it, it it's not just we're not addressing this issue is that there's less people going into psychiatry. So less doctors going into psychiatry as a specialty, because why it doesn't pay. It doesn't pay as well as like a gastroenterologist. You know, if, if a psychiatrist is making $200,000 a year, and that may seem like a lot, but in the world of medicine, that's really not much that it's actually the lower end of the pay grade. When it comes to when it comes to to physicians, licensed and practicing physicians, that's a lower grade of, of what people get paid compared to say like you know a, a cardiothoracic transplant surgeon that's making you know three quarters of a million a year, maybe if 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 not more, maybe a million a year or eclipsing a million a year. It's a totally different ballgame. Like, why if you're a medical student and you're going through this? Why would you want to go into something like psychiatry if it's not going to pay as much as say like being a gastroenterologist and you're making four or $500,000 a year? Why would you do that? But why are, are those guys making more than a psychiatrist? Because they, 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 they can bill the insurance for procedures. They get reimbursed better. Psychiatrist, you talk to somebody for an hour, you're not going to get reimbursed that well. So why the hell are you going to keep doing it? Because our society doesn't put a lot of, doesn't put a lot of emphasis on the importance of psychiatric issues. I mean, right. I, I, myself, even as somebody who's, who's stating this now, when I was going through pharmacy school, it's like, oh, all the psychiatry stuff is a bunch of bullshit. 
it's, it's all a state of mind. But as I learned, as, as I went through, and as I started practicing, you know, I see people with, with, you know, coming into the ICU with liver failure from drinking too much and chronic liver failure due to, due to chronic alcoholism. You, you, you see the, the root, the root problem with all these people is anxiety, depression, PTSD, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, like, like I mentioned before, there's an, there's a reason why they are alcoholics, why they're going to liver failure, because they have a mental health issue that they are self-medicating for. And yet as a society, we don't address these things as being important enough from a health, from a health issue. So unless we address these, these psychiatric issues, these chronic mental health disorders, until we address them to their fullest extent, we're going to have things like mass casualty events from people trying to kill other people. We're going to still have drunk driving. We're still going to have people dying of cigarette smoking. We're still going to have people gambling their, their life savings away. We're still going to have all of that. None of that's going to go away. It's only going to get worse until we actually address mental health issues. Right. And the statement I, I was making, you know, when we went off on this rocket ship of a tangent is that, you know, it's, it's that we want to talk about mental health and we want to address it as being a problem and until it's time to actually put up and do it. Yeah. Agreed. You know, I mean, why don't we have more care going into a lot of these veterans coming back from overseas where they're watching their friends blow up literally, yeah. literally. I agree. And then when they come back, you know, we accept them just kind of, you know, go be a teacher again. Yeah, and it's it's probably a little better now than what it than what it was, you know, after World War II or even the Vietnam War. There, there was nothing for these people, zero. Yeah, I had a conversation with a coworker when he got back from from overseas when he was younger. Um, he was required to go for a certain amount of hours. Whatever he, I didn't ask him. Um, we didn't discuss what uh, he needed to go to seek therapy for but it was required that he went and he told me how he was going. Right. And I guess the, the therapist, like there, he's like, we were just going and we're just staring at each other and then it ended. He's like, all right. In his mind, he's like, all right, there's one hour out of the way. Went again, sat there. And like the last five minutes, he's like, the therapist said to him, he's like, Hey, just so you know, you haven't done any time with me yet. So what are you talking about? This is the end of my second hour. He said, no, we're only counting the hours that you actually put work in. So you could come here every day if you want and not say a word. I'm not counting it. And he went on to say, like, he actually, you know, when, when he finally started opening up to him, um, you know, he, he found it beneficial. Um, he got something out of it. And to this day, like they'll fire emails back and forth every once in a while, just to check in with each other. But that's the thing with therapy is that you're only going to get what you put into it. Unless you allow yourself to be vulnerable and, you know, put yourself out there and really trust that, you know, you could, you, you, you have to tell this person what you went through in order for it to work. Yeah. That's the, that's the, that's the hard part, you know, it's, it is what it is. I mean, my, you know, I, I know your, your dad was in Vietnam. My, my grandfather was in world war two. My grandfather was, so this, this is my maternal grandfather. 
he fought for Italy in World War II, and he was captured by the Americans in Sicily when when the Americans invaded Sicily back, or when the when the Italians invaded Palermo back in the early 1940s. And he was captured. He came out of the bunker, waved the white flag. Nobody even fired a shot at each other. Um, I, we, you know, we asked him years later, back in the 90s, early 2000s, you know, how come you guys didn't fight back? He's like, because we know the Americans were going to slaughter us that day, so we didn't even bother. We just decided to surrender, and and rightfully so. So he got taken as a POW, but he was probably, you know. At, Getting taken by a PO by the Americans as a POW was probably better than getting captured by the Germans or getting captured by the English as a POW, where they sent you to actual POW camps. So he actually got sent here in the United States as a POW. Um, and uh, you know, long story short, he actually became part of an Italian service unit for the U.S. Army in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. I, I found this out literally just a couple of years ago. 15 years after his death he never told me any of this he he told us like you know where he he spent time as a pow and all this other stuff but none of it made sense because we thought oh he's an alcoholic he, he has no idea what he's talking about and yeah, after little did after, you know what the things that he actually went through exactly and you know like looking back and everything i would go see him at his house and he would be sitting there with his head down with his hands around like a like a Budweiser pony, just like not saying anything, just sitting at the table and just staring down. And and he he, you know, he would drink whiskey on his set every day with his with his espresso. He'd drink Budweiser ponies every day. He'd drink homemade wine, everything. He drank a lot. He still lived to 89 years old. But you know, I asked myself, I was like, why the fuck is he an alcoholic? Like what what happened? But it didn't dawn on me that he fought through World War II. He was a POW in a foreign country that he knew nothing about. And even as a POW, as part of an, an Italian service unit, and if anybody doesn't know what that is, I didn't know what the hell it is up until a few years ago. These were basically Italian soldiers who fought for Mussolini that were captured by, by American forces that were basically told, if you if you denounce what Mussolini is doing with his war war effort in Italy, and you defect to the American side, we'll, we'll make you part of the U.S. Army. So he was actually part of the U.S. Army toward the tail end of World War II in the European theater. And you, you guys are you're not necessarily POWs. You have more freedom than POWs. We will pay you for the work that you do. You will you will have time for weekend leave and all this other stuff you can have visitors at the camp and all this other stuff so you're 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 more than a pow you're actually working for us so basically they pledged allegiance to, to the u.s army and even as that it was still traumatizing enough to make him an alcoholic leader in life so you have to wonder about the people who actually were captured as pow's those who were captured by the Germans or the Japanese as Americans were, were and were, were in POW camps and the shit that they had to go through. Right. Or, you know, people our age who, who were in the Middle East that, that did, you know, tours of duty, saw their friends shot and killed or they got shot and killed or bombs blew up near them constantly. I mean, what do you think these people go through? 
you don't just flick a switch and you get back to back to society once you get back. There's a lot of shit that you go through. So what do you think is going to happen to people? If you don't address mental health issues, these problems are going to occur consistently over and over and over again within society. Of course. And of course, we, we keep sending them over there. We keep sending our kids over there. Yeah. So what are we going to get back? <clears throat> you're going to get you're going to get back nothing but people that are that are completely damaged mentally. Yeah. Completely damaged. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. <sighs> frustrating it really is it really is i mean i'm looking at these these last two subjects how to segue into them so you know we go from talking about mental health and actually i mean it is a good good segue because you know we talk about the trauma the, the trauma that you would face going into war at a at an older age could you imagine the trauma being brought to a foreign country by your parents attempting to cross the border and then being a child and being taken from your family and now you're put in a, de a detention camps like now so the argument is always going to <laughs> i'm saying it always but i keep hearing this whole thing so with the the border crisis that's going on right now under the biden administration i keep hearing people say um you know this is the exact same thing that trump had going on and you were saying the whole putting children in cages thing and this is that i didn't think it was cool then I don't think it's cool now. Mm -hmm. And my reason for it is, you know, a lot of people think they're like, you know what, they're here illegally, you know, they should have their kids taken from them. You got to have them separated, you know, they're, they're children and then they have to be adults. And this and that, listen, these people are coming from places where they don't have access to world news. Like we have here. They don't know what's being said. They don't know that this guy is saying, hey, don't come right now. They don't know that people are saying that they're, they're going to build a wall. All they're hearing in those countries and their villages is there's opportunity if you go to America. That's all they're hearing. And they're going, right? And they're coming in droves. And they're all showing up. And what's happening is these kids are without their parents. And they're, they're, they're fucking kids, man. And it, it's, over, it's overflowing. I mean... For, how come it took so long for journalists to get access to be able to report on these places? Yeah. And it's not just, it's not just, you know, conservative news sources that don't have access to something like this. It's pretty much it's all, all journalists that have right. no access whatsoever. And to the credit of NBC, NBC news, when they started showing their, like, they, they, they said it, they, they just went right out and said it. They said, we have finally been granted access, although limited, to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. So like, they weren't allowed to talk to the people that were there, but they could see what the, the, you know, what the facilities looked like and, and so forth. Yeah. But it's crazy that this thing is still going on. It is, is, I mean, how is it going to lighten up, though? Right? I mean, yes. As of March 24th, more than 5,100 children, a record number, were in U.S. Customs and Border Protection custody, staying in unsuitable jail-like facilities, often for longer than the 72-hour legal limit. Uh -huh. Another 11,900 children were in custody of the Department of Child, uh, Health and Human Services. So this is 17,000 children, 17,000 children that are displaced from their parents. 
if you don't see a problem in this, I mean, like, I, I don't have kids. And, and this is what I always thought it was kind of crazy hearing people that had kids that would talk like this. And, and I, I don't know, maybe you disagree with me. Um, maybe you can see things a different way, even, even as a parent. But I would see these figures and be like, how is anybody okay with this many children, regardless of the administration, being taken from their parents? I mean, you have kids. Could you imagine? Like you went someplace looking for opportunity, right? Take, say your family didn't come over here. I'm, 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 am I guessing right in saying that your grandfather being taken as the POW and everything, that story, it led to him planting the seed here in America? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, like 20 some odd years later, he eventually brought his he brought his whole family here because they saw the opportunity that America, you know, afforded him versus his own his own native land. OK, so these people are hearing the stories. You know, he he was he had a different roundabout way about doing it. But these people are hearing the stories of opportunity and they're coming here because they think like this is this is it. We're we're, we're living in squalor here. We have to worry about the cartels. We have to worry about you know, the crime here. And it's terrible. Let's get out of these, these, these barrios. Let's get out of there. And they come looking for opportunity. And next thing you know, they're having their kids taken away from them. Like, if you're okay with that, man, you're not part of the, you're not part of the team. Like you're okay with kids being taken from the parents. There has to be a better solution. That's my point. Like, I agree. I, I agree. The problem is, is that we've politicized the hair where one political party thinks that, you know, we should just open up our borders altogether and just let people come in, you know, without vetting them, without understanding where they're coming from, why they're coming here and all this other stuff. And you have another political party that's saying, you know, time out. We need to have a process in place to let people in. And, you know, as, as somebody who is first generation American, I guess, if you will, or whatever, I mean, my, my parents were born in Italy. I was born here. Is that first generation or second generation? I don't know. You, you, you get the point. I was born here. My parents were fucking foreigners. Uh, a good portion of my family of, of, you know, family friends that came from Italy were foreigners they had to go through a whole process, whole rigorous process to come over to the United States to become a citizen. So what we're saying to these people is just, you know, come here. It's fine. It doesn't matter. We'll, 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 we'll let you in regardless of what your credentials are, just because it's the cool thing to do. It makes no sense whatsoever. So we have two different sets of rules. So for, for migrants coming in from Central and South America, we, you know, we, we wash our hands of, of any responsibility. But anybody coming in from other parts of the world, they have to go through a whole rigorous process. It makes no sense whatsoever. It's ridiculous. But why is this, why is this being done? Because of our politicians, that's why. Because they, they, they want to give the perception that they care. Realistically, they don't give a shit about anybody about anybody but themselves. I agree with you. They don't care who comes in here. As long as they stay in their own gated communities that are protected by, oh, guess what? A wall. As long as, as, yeah. As, as long as, long as no, no, uh, you know, no, uh, no less desirable people 
uh, you know, penetrate their perimeter, they could give a shit less about the rest of the country. But this, this is the, this is the, the country that, that, that we live in now. We have to make no better place. To place. I mean, we, we can't do. find this as acceptable. It's not acceptable. It's not acceptable whatsoever. But what, what we're transmitting to the rest of the world, especially, especially to these people here is come here. Don't, don't worry about it. We'll take care of you. No, that's not the message that, that should be driven to these people. The message that, that should be given to these people is, yes, you can come here if you want. That's fine. But there's a whole process that you have to go through in order to get here legally. I have no problem with foreigners coming to the United States. Like I said, my family is full of foreigners. And why did we come here? Because this is the land of opportunity. It was and it still is. And it will be for years to come. But there has to be a logical process by the way we go about this. We don't just say, just come here and we'll, we'll let you in. Because then we end up with disasters like what we've had. For, and it's not just recent. This has been going on for several years. And I think it's finally gotten to a, a boiling point where now it's like, holy shit. We have a, a lot of problems going, going on down at our southern border. We have a lot of people that are trying to get in. And that's fine. The vast majority of Americans are okay with immigrants coming in. Immigrants, whether people want to admit it or not, immigrants are literally what built this country. Okay? You go to most construction sites, and you have most immigrants that are working those sites. Here in the Northeast, that's the Italians, the Portuguese, the Polish, Albanians are pretty much the ones that have run the vast majority of, of construction sites, whether people want to admit it or not. And you know what? They've done a damn good job of it, of doing the work that they did. I can say that because my own family members have been in construction, the vast majority of which have been immigrants. Right. And also, don't forget, like the southern, the southwestern part of the country. I mean, a lot of migrant workers. I mean, in, in these farms. I mean, I, this is why I always kind of, kind of shrug when I hear this term. Like people thinking, like, oh, they're coming over here to take our jobs. They're not taking jobs that you or I would be going after. And if they did, God bless. I mean, it would be great to have. You know, imagine the story that would be. But Somebody came from Guatemala, came through, you know, got through, got his you know, citizenship. And then next thing you know, he's, he's become a doctor. I mean, that would be the ultimate success story, but, right? But that's the thing that happened. That probably happens every single day. Because when, when you're talking about a lot of these, a lot of these, these immigrants that come through legally or, or illegally, I mean, you can talk about the ones that are assholes, the ones that are criminals, that are scumbags that really should be deported back. I have the percentage of those has to be very small, right? Oh, very, absolutely. It's very small. The vast majority of the people that are coming here are coming here because they are desperate for a better life. I'm okay with that because they have a hunger to do better for themselves. And in doing better for themselves, they do better for the country altogether. I have no problem with that whatsoever. In fact, if it was up to me, for every migrant that would come in that, had, that was desperate, that wanted to do, make a better life for themselves, I'd send back 10, 10 Americans that are, that are, that are assholes that, that don't want to do shit in this country. If that was up to me, 
but I'm not a dictator, so I can't do shit like that. I've worked with, with a lot of illegal immigrants, and I'll tell you what, they are hard fucking workers. They are great people. They work their asses off. Because they've got something Americans. to prove. Exactly. Because they see the opportunity and they take it compared to what they came from. I mean, my dad came from Italy. He came with 77 American dollars in his pocket and a chest full, a chest full, full of, uh, of belongings, like clothes and, and other shit like that. That's all he had. He had nothing. The first night he was here, my, my, my maternal grandfather, his, his father-in-law, made steaks on the grill. It wasn't like anything special. My, my father was like, that was the first time I've ever seen that much steak cooked in my entire life. He said, I've never eaten steak before. He said, and at that point, I was in my early 20s. He said, I was eating steak with both hands, barehanded, just biting them because I, I'd never seen steak like that. Being That's a real that story from an immigrant. Of course. Being the fact that your family's from Italy, I thought you were going to say he, he came here with nothing but his chest full of hair. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I grew up with probably more hair on my chest than, than my dad did. I used to laugh. I had a grandfather. He would always tell me, you know, eating whatever tasted disgusting when you're a kid, mostly vegetables. He's like, ah, don't make it grow hair on your chest. Then one time I saw my grandfather changing his shirt and he didn't have any hair on his chest. Yeah. Which I quickly pointed out to him. Sounds <laughs> about right. Yeah. But I mean, listen, this is something that's going to be, it's been going on for quite some time. The debate's going to still be there because it's not going to end anytime soon. But I mean, we've got to figure something out for these kids, man. Yes. This is going to come like, you know, we talk about mental health and, you know, issues that come from, from war and from lockdown and from whatever else these kids go through. And then we're going to add on to, you know, 17,000. That number is only going to grow. That's what's in yeah. there now. Never mind what's been through there already, you know, and, and, and the trauma from being ripped away from your parents and, and being without them for, for how long? I mean, hopefully, you know, hopefully they're able to get back in touch with one another. Both, right? Yeah. But lastly, um, so I'm seeing conflicting names. I'm seeing Evergreen. I'm seeing Evergiven. This is a trade ship that was going through the Suarez Canal and decided to do a ski slalom and somehow got lodged in there like an impacted wisdom tooth. I don't know how this <laughs> happened. The, the only thing like I, I'm seeing is that human error may have caused uh, a uh, contributing factor. No shit, really. Did you see this thing? Did you, have you seen like what it looks like from, from uh, like an overhead air or over so, the head? Uh... I, saw, I saw a picture of, of a backhoe like a big, um, a big excavator trying to like dig dirt out from next to where the ship was coming from. Yeah. And, I mean, these, these excavators aren't exactly small. They're pretty fucking big. And the ship was like literally a fucking Titan compared to the, compared to this excavator. It literally, yeah, that's the exact picture I was looking at. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you want to talk about. <laughs> Jesus Christmas! Yeah, good luck. Good like luck. you could probably you could probably put like two hundred of those excavators on that ship. So they say this this the ship is the length of a skyscraper. Jesus Christ! That's that's unbelievable. Yeah. 
I, I mean, did you see the overhead like image of, of, of this whole thing? Like how it's diagonal no, but like I, that? I, I saw this, something like, where, yeah, yeah. You, you could see it from outer space or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> crazy Oops. whoopsie that's, that's insanity yeah yeah it is but it's it's stuck there like that and, and i guess they're they're trying to unload some of these parcels i think there's eighteen thousand cargo uh cargo bins on it i don't know what you'd call them that they're trying to unload to lighten it up so it'll kind of float up a little bit mm, that makes sense but it's funny that you say, you know, you've seen it from space. Look at that. That you could yeah. see it from space because remember the Concordia years ago? It like ran aground, like tipped over. Yeah. And it was, uh, I remember a friend of mine sent me a picture. It was like a, a fuck up so colossal you could see it from space. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yes, sir. So that's the, uh, that's the world that's falling apart this week. So, so uh, human error, huh? Human error. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. That's crazy. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I was just thinking about it. So you said it. So, so the, the Suez Canal, I, for some reason, I was thinking the, the Panama Canal, where it was, uh, you know, the, the, the southernmost tip of Central America, but not realizing the Suez Canal is, is uh, where Egypt is. Yes. That's, just, that's insanity. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Uh, that's going to be a nightmare to get. I mean, it, like, put that in perspective. I mean, until you saw the backhoe trying to clear it out of there. That's a gigantic ship. It's the size of a skyscraper. Like, picture a backhoe next to the Empire State Building. Yeah, it's tiny. Yeah, it's like maybe, what, 10 stories up? Yeah. If that's that. like that. Yeah. Jesus. That's crazy. Well, that's all I got for this week, sir. That's all I got. I, th I think I'm mentally exhausted at this point. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Crazy. If you so desire, send us an email at ochoandthesiv at yahoo.com. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, folks. Peace out. Peace out.